All right, well, good. Am I on? Working? We're good? Yeah, sweet. Well, good morning. Um, as Brenda just said, my name is Matt, and I, I've, known, I've had the pleasure of knowing Brenda and Perry uh, all the way back to their IMB days. Uh, we, met, uh, we met in Costa Rica at a prayer conference, and then we actually got to uh, work with you a few times in, in Panama. Uh, thank you, Jonathan, for the opportunity to come, and I don't take this lightly, and so thank you for trusting me to uh, fill in for you today. Um, yeah, so my name is Matt. Uh, we're, our, our organization is Go in the Name Missions. Uh, our primary function, what we do, is church planting and church equipping. Uh, we want to plant churches. We want to identify areas that have a high population but a low number of evangelical churches. And uh, so we work in three different areas of the Republic of Panama. Uh, we work in Colombia in two different areas. Uh, we even work in Queens in New York City. And then I shared with, I had the joy to go to Steve's uh, Sunday school class this morning. I shared with them. I am the example of how, how small-minded we are compared to God's plans. You know, the Bible says that our, his ways are, are higher than our ways, and that's my life. Uh, we had the idea of, of this missions organization when God put it on our heart. Our idea was we'd work in this one area of Panama. I have no idea. I would be on two different continents in seven, uh, seven different locations, uh, three different megacities. And so uh, God is good and God is big, and, and that's what we do. I, I will tell you this. You guys, First Baptist Church, Enid, Oklahoma, you were very well represented uh, last summer in the Republic of Panama. The team that you sent was exceptional, had great leadership. Uh, the um, the uh, organization was there. It was fantastic. And the ministry was amazing. Uh, what uh, I, I really enjoyed listening to Miss Carol share a little bit about their prayer time in the village they had when we were out making visits. And, and, and because I work with so many teams throughout the year, um, then uh, I sometimes, you know, one team meshes in with another team. They all get uh, combobulated. And just to think back on the things that you guys did and hear those stories of how it impacted you and, and to know how it impacted uh, the village and, and, and there where, where you guys worked, your team was, you were well represented and the ministry was, was edifying and, and glorifying to the Lord. Um, so we do ask for three things. Anytime I get the chance to go speak, uh, I ask for three things. Our, our organization asks for three things. Typically, my wife and my 12-year-old daughter are with me, uh, but they're both sick, and so they stayed. We're Oklahoma people. We're from Oklahoma City, uh, and uh, they stayed in Oklahoma City, just a uh, better safe than sorry type situation. But we ask for three things. The first thing we ask any place we go is, would you please pray for us? Uh, we want to be uh, honestly, truly, we want to be the most prayed for missions organization in the planet. And we really do. We covet your prayers. If you were to come to me right after the service and say, hey, Matt, what's one thing? What's one thing I can do for you in your ministry right now? I'm going to tell you, pray for us. Please, please pray for us. I leave in the, I leave in the morning. Uh, I've, been, I've been, quote, home uh, since about se- September 4th or 5th. Um, but uh, I've, I've been traveling uh, and, and God is good to give us the opportunity to go speak and, and do this thing right here. But in the morning, I leave to go to Colombia. Uh, we work in, in Bogota, Colombia. We work with Venezuelan refugees. And uh, Wednesday night, we have our very first activity for our third church plant uh, amongst the Venezuelans uh, in Bogota, Colombia. There's 500,000 500,000, half a million Venezuelan refugees in Bogota, Colombia right now. And uh, so I leave in the morning. 
And so pray for us. We, we have all kinds of things to pray for. My wife and I, we have three older kids. Our children are in waves. So we, we have three older. Our oldest is 26. Uh, and then we have a baby. Well, she's not a baby, but she is to us. You guys, moms and dads, you know what I'm talking about there. Our, our baby's 12, okay? So we have three adult kids out of the house, and then we have a 12-year-old in the house. We just became grandparents in March. Do you know how weird it is to have a 12-year-old child living in your house and also have a grandchild at the same time? It's crazy. So pray for us. We have missions, ministry, um, logistics. It'll be uh, 33 weeks this year. We did... 33 weeks of missions travel, hosting teams for 33 weeks. When I, I'll come home uh, next month and 33 weeks. So there's a lot going on. So please pray for us. That's the first thing we ask. The second thing we ask is brag. Brag on the Lord. You don't have to mention me. You don't have to mention go in the name, but go and tell people, hey, you know what? I just found out today. I didn't, I knew why we, our church sent a team out to work in Panama, but I didn't know they worked in an indigenous village. I, I, I didn't know that they did this. I did, and, and our church is sending two more teams next year. Brag about what the Lord is doing. Brag on God, uh, how God is using your church, how God is opening up opportunities for you to be a great commission church and to fulfill that, uh, that, that command that the Lord gave us on the mission field. Just go and brag about the Lord. Uh, you don't have to, again, I won't hurt my feelings if you don't mention me because that's not about us. Everything we do is for the glory of God, right? So pray for us, brag on the Lord. And then here's the third thing. Come on a trip at some point. Come on a trip. Um, I, I am so thankful. I, I told Pastor Jonathan this morning, dude, you inherited me, okay? I was here before you came to be the pastor. Thank you for keeping me around. I'm so thankful for that. Uh, come on a trip. You're, you're going to have plenty of opportunities. Uh, we're in year number one of our partnership with you, and there will be opportunities for you to come in the future. So please do that and, and see what God can do uh, through you. I will tell you this, uh, the area that, that uh, First Baptist has chosen, I do have a sermon, I promise, but, but I, I will tell you this, uh, the area that, um, that First Baptist has chosen to partner in Panama, it is a, uh, it's, it's hard to describe. I, I will say this, you're on the front lines of spiritual warfare. Uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not an overly difficult place to get to, but it's not a super easy place to get to. Once you get there, you're like, well, I've traveled. You know, you have that, I've, I've, I've traveled feeling, but you're working in the Caribbean of Panama, beautiful area. You're on these islands out, out in the water. There's water all around you. I was joking uh, with, uh, with the mission team this morning that's going to march. Uh, sometimes dolphins come up, and if you, have, if you get motion sickness, the boat stops so everyone can see the dolphins, and that's when the people who get motion sickness, that's kind of, they're like, okay, dolphins, let's go, you know. Um, but it's a beautiful area, but it is the forefront of spiritual warfare because you have the, you have the influence of Catholicism like you do in all of Latin America. But also you have, uh, you have the West Indies influence, like Jamaica and everything. So you have a Rastafari religious influence there. You have tribal religions there. We work with the indigenous people. The village that we work in, there's a shaman, there's a witch doctor there. And when people get sick and when people are bothered, they go see the witch doctor. You have the cult religions, the Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons. They're, they're all right there, right there. And we are working in partnership with you guys uh, to plant a Baptist church in this village. And uh, it, is, it is the front lines of spiritual warfare. So, uh, so no, you guys picked a great area to, to serve the Lord in, but know that the work is not, it's not easy. Uh, so you, you got a team you're sending in March, you need to start praying for them now. Uh, if, if you don't have that, that name of the 12 people that are coming, if you don't have the names, uh, ask Brenda, uh, ask, ask someone on the, in the leadership team, get those names so you can begin to pray for them now. Um, so, 
That said, I want to pray for you, and then we're going to jump into the Word of God for a little bit. Father, we love you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be here uh, and to just worship you. Now, God, we ask that you speak to us. Lord, we use, uh, use this time, use your Word, uh, and, and make us better for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we go. Uh, Matthew chapter 28. If you're a missionary and you go to speak, particularly at a Baptist church, you typically do one of three things. You wear a crazy missionary shirt. I'm not allowed to do that. Well, I probably could get away with it today because my wife's not with me, but typically I'm not allowed to do that. I do have the crazy shirts. I'm just not allowed to wear them in public. Um, So you wear a crazy shirt or you bring some sort of crazy food or you preach on Matthew chapter 28, all right? So you're getting the last. So the, we're going to talk about the Great Commission. Why missions? Why, why do we as the local church, as the body of Christ, why do we engage in missions? Well, I'm going to talk you through that a little bit, give you some of my thoughts and my background on that. But uh, we got to start in Matthew chapter 28. I, I feel like for the New Testament church, when we begin to focus on missions— There's two key passages of Scripture we look at, Matthew chapter 28, Acts chapter 1. And we're going to hit both of those this morning, and hopefully I don't keep you over time. What time am I supposed to be finished? I didn't ask that question. What time y'all normally? Oh, man, okay. So Jesus wept. Amen. No. So Matthew chapter 28. So let's let's read this together. Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to begin uh, in verse 18. And we're going to go through 18 through 20. You probably know this, but it says, And Jesus came to them, being the disciples, and he spoke. He said, All authority uh, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all, that I, all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Why do we do missions? Well, I think we start uh, because uh, we do missions because that's what we're commanded to do. That's exactly what Jesus tells us, you and I. All right, he's not just talking to 11 disciples and some other followers. He's talking to you. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the body of Christ. And he establishes himself in verse 18 as the highest authority figure of all time. I think sometimes we skip over this. I'm guilty of this. I pastored a church for 12 years and I wanted my people to be involved. I wanted them to go. I I, I focus on the action of it, right? It's a verb. It says to go. It doesn't say to wait. It doesn't say to sit. It says to be involved, to go as you're going, that you're a disciple maker. And so we focus on that, which is really the meat of this passage, but we miss two things. And I'm going to tell you about those two things. The first thing we miss is that Jesus establishes his authority right here. He uses the word all. All authority has been given to me. Not just authority here on the earth. All authority is mine. Jesus establishes himself as the highest authority figure ever. There has never been a higher authority figure than Jesus. There never will be a higher authority figure than Jesus. There's a reason why we call him the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? Because he is ultimate. He is the highest. Then when you get to verse 19, he uses the word, therefore. That means it's predicated on something. Whatever follows the phrase or the word therefore, it is predicated on something that's already been established. And what has already been established is that Jesus is the ultimate authority figure. Church, this is so important because it's not just about missions. It's about morality. It's about integrity. It's about our discipleship. It's about the way we speak. It's about the way we conduct our lives. The, the understanding of Jesus as the highest figure of authority in all time, 
That is crucial to you and I living a life that is molded on the Scripture and the authority of God. We have to accept that. When the Bible says it very clearly to indulge in, to partake of, then we do. But when the Bible says very clearly not to indulge in, not to partake of, then we don't. We don't argue it. We don't rationalize it. We accept the authority of who Jesus is and we move our life based on that. This is why we do missions. Because he says, I'm the highest authority figure there ever will be. Therefore, go. Go make disciples. Why do we do missions? We do missions because Jesus has all authority and he tells me, he tells you based on that authority, we are to go and we're to to make disciples. The, the, The idea here is that you and I make a conscious decision to live our lives on mission. I would love, and and Matt's perfect world, we'll charter a couple of jets and we'll get all of you guys to Panama. That's Matt's perfect world. I would love for that to happen, okay? We would have to work out some accommodation issues, but we can make it happen. But the reality is, Jesus is not going to call all of you to go to Panama. He's not going to call all of you to go to Colombia. Some of you guys, he's calling you to go to school tomorrow. Well, it's, it's holiday, but you get the point, right? Some of you guys, he's calling you to go to work. Some of you guys, he's calling you to go out to the farm. Some of you guys, he's calling you to go right here locally in Enid, Oklahoma. But the idea is as you're going through life that you live missionally. Everywhere Jesus takes you, everywhere life turns you, you use that situation, you use that circumstance that you could live missionally, that you can be a disciple maker. You don't have to get on the airplane and go to another part of the world. You don't have to get on a bus and go to another part of the country. You can go out in the streets this afternoon. You can go to the restaurant that you're going to go to after church. You can go home and you can be a disciple maker. The idea is, the understanding is that we make a conscious decision I'm going to consciously live my life in obedience to the word of the Lord, and I'm going to be a disciple maker wherever Jesus sends me, be it at home, be it at school, be it at work, be it at church, or be it somewhere international. We do it all with a desire to proclaim Jesus and to make disciples. And I'll, I'll tell you this, because I'm the guest, I get to leave, and you may forget this by the time you, next time you see me, but I'm, I'm going to tell you this. If you don't live missionally, follow me here, church. If you don't live missionally, you're disobedient to the word of the Lord. And to be disobedient to the word of the Lord means sin. It is sinful not to obey what Jesus just commanded us to do in Matthew chapter 28. We'll we'll speak it in the plainest of terms. It is sinful not to do it. To be disobedient to the word of the Lord is to be sinful. And we're making a, a choice Uh, an intentional choice to disobey the word of God if we don't go and share Jesus in the places of the world that he sends us to. So why do we do missions? Well, we do missions because we're commanded to do missions. We're not, well, you know, we call that the Great Commission. I I joke when I talk to people, I was in uh, Bolivar, Missouri, uh, uh, two weeks ago at Southwest Baptist University, and I got to speak there, and I was was telling them, uh, some some kid called, uh, asked me a question about the Great Commission. Uh, He said, what is is your opinion on the Great Commission? I was like... (laughs) We should do it. You know, it's, it's not the great option. Like we, we make it the, the great option, but it's the great commission. It is a command from Jesus to go. 
Uh, the second reason why we do mission is because we're to bear witness, right? We're to bear witness of who Jesus is, who Jesus is in my life. I can tell you my testimony. I was saved when I was 14 years old, and I was a good kid, all right? I was a good kid. I didn't party. I didn't drink. I wasn't immoral. I was rebellious. I knew exactly the words I could say and the tone of voice I could use to make my mom cry. Like that, I could make my mom cry. I had a, that, that's the type of rebellious spirit I had in me. But everybody at church thought I was a good kid. 14 years old, Jesus changed my life. I, and it changed who I am. We bear witness to who Jesus really is. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus tells us to go, right? In Acts chapter 1, he tells us how to go. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says that we will bear witness. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes, we will be his witnesses. First in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Acts 1, 8. Matthew 28, here's what you should do. Acts 1, 8, here's the instructions on how to do it. We bear witness. Has anybody, has anybody ever pulled jury duty? Anybody? Yeah? I, I, uh, about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I got to do jury duty in Oklahoma City. And I was so excited because it, I don't know, I'm just weird. It was always a dream. I, I would tell my wife, why do I never get called for jury duty? It was like I won the lottery the day that that little summons thing came in the mail. Like, yes, I got jury duty. And my wife says, there's no way they're going to let you on the jury. You're a pastor. I'm like, oh, well, they did. They let me on the jury. This girl had stolen some merchandise from a Dillard store at the mall in Norman. And she got caught. And she stole a lot of stuff. Like, she stole a lot of stuff. Then she chose to represent herself against a public prosecutor. This was a mismatch, right? I'm going to say this with the understanding that I am... Where's, where's the Hackett's? Where's Kevin? Okay. Close your ears for just a second. I am a big-time Oklahoma Sooner football fan. Yesterday was a mismatch, right? Not in our favor. All right, that's pretty much how this court case went that I was on the jury duty. This girl gets up and she approaches the jury and she, I'll, I'll never forget it. I was just, what? She says this, have you ever wanted something so bad knowing you could never get it by your own means and so you had to take drastic measures to get the things you wanted? And I was like, oh, don't do this. no. And she goes, have you ever felt like you deserve something? Like you deserved it, but circumstances in life wouldn't let you have what you deserved? I'm like, stop talking. So the next day we go back and the judge is like, hey guys, thanks you for the jury. We don't need you anymore. I was like, duh, right? She basically incriminated herself right there in front of us. A, jur- a, a, a witness bears testimony. A witness uh, provides validity to a statement. The statement is that Jesus changed my life. The statement is that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The statement is that there was one true God. He is all present, all powerful, all knowing. That's the statement. And we bear witness to the validity of that statement based on how we live our lives for Jesus based on how we follow the Great Commission. Here's another example. If he is King of Kings, if he's Lord of Lords, if he's Lord of my heart, then guess what? Discipleship's not an option, right? If he's Lord of Lords, if he's King of Kings, then living a life of morality based on the standard of the Bible, that's not an option. Because if he's Lord, and I have to think about whether I'm gonna be obedient to the word of God, then he's not Lord of me. Because if he's Lord, I follow, I obey. 
and I bear witness to his lordship based on my actions, not on what I say, not on where I go, but how I do it. So we bear witness to Jesus, and that's why we do missions. And he says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Um, if, he were, if this was written to you guys, to First Baptist Church Enid, he would say, you, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you will bear witness in Enid, and then Oklahoma, and then throughout the United States, and then the ends of the earth. Your mission field is right here. Gang, I, I, you have to know that. I want you to come to Panama. I, I need you to come to Panama. But if you can't do missions right here, if you can't live for Jesus right here, if you can't be a disciple maker right here, it really doesn't do you a lot of good to come and try to do it somewhere else. You start here. And then you're not just called, well, I, I don't have to go to sea at the pole. I don't have to share Jesus at work because I'm going to Panama and I'll do it there. It's not a one week, it's not a vacation, right? It's not a one week out of the year thing. This is our lifestyle that we're choosing to be obedient to the Lord through. Are we making sense here? So here we go. Um, so we, we do missions because Jesus commands it. We do mid- missions because we, uh, we bear witness. Uh, there's a story in Acts. Okay, sorry, time out. I am ADD, okay? I was ADD before it was like a thing to be ADD. He was like, uh, he was like hey, uh, what kind of microphone do you want this morning? And he had the, this one right here. And I was like, hey, whatever Pastor Jonathan wants, I'll take what's, whatever. He goes, well, do you stand still or do you walk? I said, no, I can't stand still. I can't. I'm, I'm a pacer. I'm ADD. And so thoughts come into my mind. And so I'm going to share this with you because sometimes the Holy Spirit puts a thought in my mind. But, but think about this. When I'm talking about being a witness, um, Acts, and you'll have to forgive me because I'll teach you in school not to do this, but I'm going to do it. Acts chapter 13. I, I'm confident Acts chapter 13, but I cannot tell you the exact verse. It's, it's, it's early. But Acts chapter 13, there's a story. There's Saul, Paul, and Barnabas. They're commissioned to go out and be missionaries. Am I know this story? And they go out. They're going to visit with the proconsul, and they're going to share the gospel. He wants to hear it. There's a sorcerer in the area. His name is Bar-Jesus. And he begins to shut down their gospel presentation. And, and, and Paul, Saul, speaks to him through this power of the Holy Spirit, and he blinds him. And so this sorcerer, people knew the sorcerer. They knew he had power. They knew he was this thing, right? And, and so people respected him and they looked to him for, for power and wisdom and all that stuff. But then Paul just speaks in the name of the Lord and all of a sudden the sorcerer is blinded. It's the same thing in Old Testament when, when Moses is before Pharaoh and, 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 and Moses throws his, his rod down and it turns into a snake. And then Pharaoh looks at the magicians. He's like, okay, what can you guys do? And so they throw their rods down and they turn into snakes. And then Pharaoh looks back at Moses like, okay, big deal, man. And then what happens? Moses' snakes eat the snakes of the magicians, and then people are like, whoa. That's what happens here. Paul speaks, the man is blinded, and then the proconsul is like, okay, tell me, tell me more. Tell me more. So we see God at work. We, 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 we bear witness to who God is, but we also bear witness to the things that God can do. And, and no encounter in your life, no encounter in your life is accidental. No encounter in your life is a coincidence. Every encounter that you have, you're going to go out from today and you're going to have multiple encounters. You're going to encounter people from your church. You're going to encounter people from your community. Tomorrow through, uh, through Friday, you're going to encounter people from business and school. None of that is accidental. None of that is coincidental. God brings people into our lives. Think about this. This is so transformational. God brings people into our lives so that we can testify, we can bear witness to who God is, but also bear witness to what God is capable of doing. 
And the world knows. They know what God is capable of doing. They need encouragement to take that step to jump in with what God's doing. Uh, when the IMB first called me, by the way, let me, I guess I need to clarify this. I don't work for the International Mission Board. I'm thankful for Southern Baptist Partners and, and the cooperative program and what, you, what we as a denomination do to put the gospel all over the world. I don't work for them. I work in partnership with them. We're strategic with the IMB. The IMB says, hey, we need church planting here. We don't have resources. Can you go look at that area? And that's what we do. The IMB calls me and they said, hey, could we look at Bogota, Colombia? Could you, could you help us build a network there? And so I go on a vision trip. There's me, there's a guy from our board of directors, there's an IMB missionary, and there's a local pastor named Sades Gonzalez. And we go into this barrio, very poor barrio of Bogota, Colombia. Soache is the, is, the, is the neighborhood. Los Olivos is the more local neighborhood. And the pastor says, we need to put a church right here. This church is desperate for the hope of the gospel. And I said, sweet, let's go look at it. And the pastor says, no, 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 no. I can't take you in there. Because if I take you in there and something happens to you, then I'm known as the guy who brought the North Americans in here to get mugged. I want to be known as the guy who brings the gospel in here. So I'm not going to take you in. So we decide we'll go one block in. And we're, in, we're one block in and we stand on a street corner. And we decide we're going to pray for a few minutes. And we just, each of us face a direction. And we're just going to pray for a few minutes on the street corner. So I'm praying, and of course, I'm in Bogota, Colombia. My eyes are open, right? And I'm praying, and there's a lady across the street, and she steps out of her little, whatever it was, house, apartment, whatever. It was, actually was an office. I didn't know at the time, but she steps out, and she looks at me. And I'm thinking, is she looking at me? I think she's looking at me. I don't know, but I really feel like she's looking at me. Then she does the sideways look. You ever get the, you know, like, she's like, Right? That's the side. That you know they're looking at you then. And I'm like, oh, no, she's looking at me. Then she starts walking towards me. And she's doing like the mad lady walk, right? And I'm like, uh, guys, hey, guys, something's happening. I need help. She comes up to me and she says, who are you and why are you here? Before I could even answer her question, <laughs> she says to me, it's the only time in my life I've ever been asked this question. She says to me, are you with the DEA? And I was like, <laughs> no, this is not a DEA body. Thank you. Um, I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary, and we want to we wanna like put a church right here. We, we're thinking about how God could use us to put a church in the community. And she goes, what kind of church? I said, an evangelical church. We want to we wanna proclaim the gospel. And she goes, oh, not a Mormon church? I said, no, an evangelical church. She said, oh. We need an evangelical church right here in this community. Let me show you. Let me, can you walk with me? Let me show you why we need a church right here in this community. And I said, hey, I'm sorry, I can't. I've been told I can't go because it's not safe. I have to leave. I have to, like, this, this is as far as I can go in the community. And she goes, oh, okay, I understand. Wait here for five minutes. And then she leaves. And I'm like, guys, what do we do? And so we decided we'd wait. And it wasn't even five minutes. It was probably three minutes Two police motorcycles come rolling up, two police officers on each motorcycle. The guy on the back of each motorcycle has a machine gun. I do not feel safer. (laughs) And I'm looking, I'm going, I don't know what's happening here, guys. The lady comes back out and she goes, okay, my police officers are here and you'll be safe to go to the community. What? 
So these are my police officers, and I'm going to give them to you for the afternoon so you can walk through the community and you'll feel safe. Who are you? Why do you have police officers? And she's, oh, well, my name is Lehia, and I'm the president of this district. You, you think that was a coincidence? You, you really think like an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God goes, man, that's really cool. That just happened to ha- like that. <laughs> there are no coincidences. So we begin to talk to Lehia. We, we spent two hours walking through this community. About 45 minutes into it, I said, Lehia, are you a Christian? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And she goes, no, I, I mean, no. I'm like, well, why do you want a church then? And she goes, here's what I know. Ready? She's going to tell me what your neighbors know. She's going to tell me what your coworkers know. She's going to tell me what your classmates already know. She says to me, we need the hope of an evangelical church. We need the hope that that church brings to our community. She is not a believer. She's not a Christian. She's not even Catholic. But she knows with this word, with this authority, with this way of life, there is hope. And there are no coincidences because you're going to go to school this week. You're going to go to work this week. You're going to go into your community this week for people who know that hope's there, but they don't know how to get it. There's no coincidences. By the way, two weeks later, uh, Pastor Sadis was able to go back and visit personally with Lehia and her family. She gave her life to the Lord, and we planted our very first, the very first ever church plant I was involved in in Bogota, Colombia, started in Lehia's garage. And now it's a fully functioning church that meets in a school. We don't even take teams there anymore because they don't need us. Guys, there's no coincidence. We, we do missions because Jesus tells us. We do missions because uh, we, we're, we are to witness. We're to bear testimony. And, and let, me, let me give you the, the last one real fast. Um, we bear witness because it gives us the opportunity to see God at work. We bear, we bear missions because it gives us the opportunity to see God at work. Think about the story I just told you, Acts chapter 13. Think about, about uh, Paul. Think about Barnabas and, and what they went through, Right? Because here they are, they're commissioned by the church, they're sent out, and the very first thing that happens is an obstacle. And they didn't let them slow it down. They, they, they didn't, oh, we can't go here. We gotta, we gotta go somewhere else because these people don't want us. This one guy is shutting us down. They didn't do anything. They just said, okay, God, here's what you need to do. And they see God at work. And, and this is, people ask me, what, what, tell me about what you do. What, what do you love the most about what you do? I travel all the time. I just told Aaron, uh, this year, So what are we, October 9th? This year, I have slept in my bed in Oklahoma City at my house. I have no idea why I own a house in Oklahoma City, but I have slept there less than than four weeks total this year. I I get to travel a lot. And that's what I love because you you guys have been on a mission trip. And I told told Steve Sunday School class this this morning. You've been on a mission trip. You see God work. Every mission trip has the God story. Here's how God works. And you come home and you got to believe what we saw God do, right? I get to do that 35 t- weeks out of the year. 35 weeks out of the year, I get to see people see God at work. And that's so critical. I, one, of my, one of my favorite stories, um, one of my favorite stories is this. We're in Veracruz, Panama. And uh, I got a group of college kids. Uh, they're, they're a mesh group. So some of them from Oklahoma City, some of them from Tulsa. I got about 12 college kids. 
And we go into this, this community of Veracruz, and it's just, you go outside of Panama City, you cross the bridge over the canal, and, and Veracruz is right there, Pacific Coast. A little bitty uh, fishing village, not a lot there. I mean, it's one of those places, like, if, if you're there, you're either on a mission trip or you're lost, okay? You're, if, you're, if you're North American, you don't go to this village. And one of the first things we do with every team is we prayer walk. We believe in the power of prayer. We are, we are sold on the power of prayer. And so the very first function every team does with us is we prayer walk. Gives us an opportunity to be open uh, about what the Lord is doing in, in, in our lives and while we're there. It gives us opportunity to be open about ministry possibilities and opportunities that may be present uh, throughout the week. But it gives also the community an opportunity to see, hey, there, there's some strangers out here. Why are they here? So we go in with these, these college kids and we break them into three groups and we begin to walk through the community. These children, they, they recognize North Americans and North Americans are known for generosity. Kids are known for wanting things, right? And so they begin to follow us around, hoping that we'll give them some cookies or something. Now, this is what's amazing. In any culture, kids are kids. They're not different. Kids are kids. This little boy, he catches a grasshopper. So we're going out and we're stopping as we see people on the street. And we're saying, hey, we're going to be working in your community this week. We're here at the local church. Is there any way specifically we can pray for you today? And this little boy behind us, he catches a grasshopper. Now, little boys are little boys and little girls are little girls, regardless of the culture. So what do you think he's doing? He is tormenting these poor little girls with this grasshopper. He's putting it in their hair and he's chasing them. And do you think they're quiet about this? No, because kids are kids. So we're trying to pray with people, and behind us, it's like, ah, like the banshees are coming or something. You know? People are screaming, and, there's all this, and, and it becomes so distracting that we can't hear what they're saying. They can't hear what we're saying. And, and I looked at the little boy in Spanish. I was like, para, stop, just stop, you know? And he looked at me, he's like, whatever, dude. I don't know you. You're a white guy. I don't even think I've seen white people before. And so he looks at me, and he's like, nee, 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 and like he holds to the ground. And like, he's not stopping. And it's just the commotion keeps building and building and building. And so finally, I gathered my college kids, and I was like, look, guys, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't know what to do right now in this moment. This kid has made it impossible for us to do what we came here to do. And I honestly, what, what I wanted to do is I wanted to throw rocks at this little boy. I did. I, I am walking in my flesh. There was rocks everywhere. I could have pegged him and it would have put an end to all of it. Side note, we do not condone throwing rocks at kids on mission trips, okay? As I said, that's what I wanted to do, but it's not what I did. I'm telling these college kids, guys, I don't know what to do. This kid, his name is Aaron McKenzie. He was a student at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa. And Aaron looks at me and goes, hey, um, why don't we pray about it? <laughs> it's a novel idea. Here we are in a mission trip, prayer walking. Let's just take this to the Lord. So there's six of us. There's four college kids. There's me. There's a translator. And we get this little circle and we pray. And it was a, it was a quick prayer. It was, it, seriously, it was like, God, you know what we're trying to do. And God, you know our obstacle, and we're asking you right now, can you remove the obstacle? Amen. Now, when we prayed, and we said amen, you know, the, the Baptist head bob, you know, you pray, and you bob, right? You guys are all bobbing your heads, uh-huh. Yeah, so we, we're like, like, so like, like, you're the little kid, right, with the grasshopper? We're like, amen. 
Like we all just immediately stared at this kid. He has no idea what's happening in that circle, what was said, but he knows it was about him because all six of us were like, like we expected like a pillar of salt or like vanishing. I don't know what we expected, but he's still there. And he looks at us and he goes, and he holds the grasshopper up, right? Here's the God part. I, just, I, I will call someone right now to verify this story if you don't believe me. He holds the grasshopper up. Nah, 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 nah. This giant bird swoops down out of the sky, takes the grasshopper from the kid's hand, and flies away. We were like, what just happened? It was incredible. Do you know what? The people we were trying to pray with, they're like, hey, hey, will you pray for this? And while you're here, can you? I mean, it opened up the door. We saw God at work through a kid and a grasshopper. That's why we do missions. Because we see God do things that we don't even look for here in our hometown. When you remember, I'm, I'm going to close. I'm going to wind down, I promise. You, you remember Acts 1.8. I, I, we didn't read it, but we referenced it. Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, and then you will be my witnesses. It's that power that we thrive on. It's that power that we should yearn for. It's that power that we should desire, not for our benefit, not for our gain, because it becomes addictive to see God at work. And if you don't yearn for that, if you don't long for that, you need to be on your knees saying, God, let me desire that. God, let that be my life. God, let that be my experience. God, let that be my joy. Let me see you do things that empower me. We receive power from the Holy Spirit, and then we go and we witness. And it becomes a part of who we are. You come home from a mission trip, and you are not the same. I didn't know Aaron until June. I met one time before June. I didn't know him. I, I swear, I didn't know him. Let me tell you, I love Aaron Betts. I love him. <laughs> I paid him for that. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say about you. You're different. I, I didn't know you. No, no, no. I didn't. <laughs> no, well, Aaron's wife's like, oh yeah, he is. No, I'm saying the Aaron that I know that I met you in June, you're, you, you're not the same guy who left on that mission trip, right? Your wife is saying, no, he's not. Why? You saw God at work, and it becomes a part of who we are. You don't have to go to Panama for that. You, you can go home. You can go to school. You can go to work. I'll keep saying that because that's your mission field. But that's why we do missions, because we see God at work, and we see God do things that we had no idea he was capable of doing, and we see God do things through us that we had no idea we were capable of doing. Why? Because it's not our power. It's his. Now, at the very beginning of this sermon, look, I'm closing my Bible. This is the Baptist pastor's way of saying I'm almost finished. I'm going to close it. I'm going to put it right there. You guys have that visual stimulus. Lunch is coming, right? We started, we started this sermon by me saying there's two things that we don't talk about about the Great Commission very often. The first thing is it's a command. It's the authority of Jesus commanding us to do it. The second thing is the very end, the very last part. The very last part of the Great Commission where Jesus says, and I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And we live in a time of uncertainty, don't we? COVID 2020, it changed everything about the way we think, everything about the way we process.
And, 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 and surveys show us that there's two, two primary reasons that uh, people don't engage in short-term missions. The number one primary reason that people don't engage in short-term missions is because of finances. And I can share you with you a lot of stories about financial, how God's provided financial means for people to go. I can share that with you. But the second thing is security. We want to feel safe. We want to feel secure. Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Guess what happens if you're on a mission trip and the world ends? Guess what happens? Jesus is right there with you. If you go on a mission trip and you get sick, guess what happens? Jesus is right there with you. I don't have to tell you a story about that because I can share with you a promise from Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, where Jesus says it and Jesus doesn't go back on his word. He doesn't break his promise. He is truthful. And I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. Here's what it comes down to, guys. We always find Jesus in obedience. We always find Jesus when we walk in obedience to him. When we walk in obedience to his word, when we walk in obedience to his teaching, when we walk in obedience to his leading us, we find him. We hit those moments in our life where we're like, man, where's Jesus in all this? We hit those moments in our life where I feel like our, our prayer life is just dull. It's not there and God's not connecting with us. It's not because God's not connecting with us. We're not connecting with God. And in those moments, what we need to evaluate is not the circumstance, it's not the petition, it's, it's the, the obedience. Am I walking right now in my life, am I walking in obedience to the Lord? Because we find Jesus in obedience. It's in the disobedience that we struggle in that communication. It's in the disobedience we struggle in that walk. So here's my, here's my question for you. I gave you three reasons why we do missions. I gave you a challenge to pursue the power of the Holy Spirit and make that a part of who you are. That's either going to resonate with you or it's not. And if it doesn't resonate with you, can I ask you just to evaluate your obedience to the Word of God? This morning, you came into this church and, and, and spiritual things are not on your mind. You sat and you thought about other life issues through Sunday school. Or you said you thought about other life issues through, uh, through, through this time of worship. This morning, you're just, you're burdened and, 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 and you feel like, man, when I talk to God, I don't know that he's hearing me. Can we put all the issues aside and just focus on obedience for, for a moment? And just answer this question right now in your heart. Am I obedient? Is, is, there, is there a part of my life where I'm obedient and a part of my life where I'm not obedient? Because we walk that line, don't we? Remember, Jesus says, you're either with me or you're against me. Either you gather the harvest or you scatter it. Can we say, I want to be obedient to the word of God. I want to be obedient to Jesus. I want to walk with him. I want to see him. And if the world ends while I'm following him, I want to walk hand in hand with him into eternity. That should be our desire. For, for this moment, this morning, not a call to missions. For this moment, this morning, it's a call to obedience. In just a minute, your, your pastors are going to stand here and, and your musicians are going to sing. We, we call this the invitation. Do you know why we call it the invitation? Because you're invited to respond to what the Lord has spoken to you about. And maybe the issue this morning is I'm not obedient. I'm not fully obedient because I don't fully understand what a relationship with Jesus is like. 
I've got some mixed signals here. There, there's things that I don't really understand. Man, that's why your pastor is going to be standing right here. That's why your youth minister is going to be standing right here or whoever else. They're right here for that moment, for, for that very reason that they can help you understand salvation. They can help you understand discipleship. They can help you understand a walk with Jesus. Maybe God's calling you into vocational ministry. Maybe he's saying, I want you to be a missionary. I want you to be a pastor. I want you to be a youth minister. I want you to, to be a, a worship pastor. Maybe that's what you're dealing with. They're here for that moment. Maybe you've attended this church and you've attended it, but you've never committed through membership. And, and there's an obedience issue that God's saying, I want you here, not just as an attender. I want you here as a member. Your pastors are here for that moment. We always, always, always find Jesus in obedience. So as we go into the invitation time, my last thought for you, my last challenge for you is this. We'll, we'll talk about missions later. There's op- ample opportunity for that later. Right now, let's talk about obedience. Are you obedient to accepting Jesus' call on your life to salvation? Are you obedient to accepting Jesus' call on your life to live missionally? Did you walk into this room this morning feeling discouraged? Did you walk in this morning feeling very anxious and depressed? Did you walk in this morning just feeling like I had this heavy weight of conviction over me and I don't know where Jesus is in that? Let's talk about obedience. Let's just focus on it. And if you focus and don't beat it, and just ask the Lord this, and just a second, I'm gonna say, ask the Lord this one question. Lord, am I truly obedient? Listen to what he says. And if he says no, if he says no, you are invited right now in this moment to change that. And you have men in your church who are disciplined and called by God and love you enough, they'll walk with you through that process of change. You say, Lord, am I obedient? And he says, yes, thank you for your faithfulness and obedience. Then you are invited in this moment to worship the holy God that you are compassionate and giving your life to. It's the moment of invitation. And you're invited to respond. Here's what I'll tell you. If you don't respond, you don't take advantage of this invitation, nothing's gonna change. Anxiety will walk out that door with you. Conviction will walk out that door with you. Loss of value and sense of purpose will walk out that door with you. It's all right here and you're invited to take it. What you do with that invitation is up to you. But I'd love to lead you there. Can you pray with me? As our, your ministers come forward, musicians get ready, just pray, just pray with me. Just, with your head bowed in a moment of silence, no one looking around except for me because I don't want to fall off the stage. No one looking around. Ask God this question. Lord, Am I obedient? Lord, am I obedient? God, give us the desire. Give us the courage and the boldness. Give us the clarity to respond to your answer to that question right now in this moment. God, we love you. Thank you for drawing us together. Thank you for your presence. Now, Lord, give us the ability to take advantage of that. And we pray this in the precious, holy name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand as our musicians lead us and your pastors come forward? You respond this morning as the Lord leads you.